Good evening and welcome to Editing Aloud. I have with me as always a panel of South Africa's most insightful journalists in a week in which Jacob Zuma is at the Zondo Commission. Um, a big moment for democracy in a way, but this man seems, Patrick Bulger, to know almost nothing about anything. Yeah, his memory about uh, things 29 or 30 years ago is uh, crystal clear. But uh, of matters sort of two or three years ago, um, not so much. Um, but still, his memory has been good enough for him to name uh, at least two prominent ANC people as being so-called spies, uh, acting on a long-term mandate uh, dating back some 20, 30 years. Uh, you know, I wouldn't even like to sort of uh, repeat uh, their names here. But uh, yeah, Zuma's promised uh, for a long time that he's got names, that he's got dirt, that he's got information on senior leaders in the ANC. And um, he's given us the two names and he's hinted that he has, uh, that he has many more. Stimby Somsomi, what, what do you think is Jacob Zuma's strategy in his testimony? I mean, clearly this is something one assumes well planned. He's, yes. Uh, yes. I felt that on Monday when, when he arrived, the strategy was really to address his core um, support base to say I've always said that all these things that have happened to me over the last eight years happened because I'm a victim and they are powerful forces that he's never named anywhere that he says are working against him trying to stop him from being president then I will use this platform to show you that I have evidence of this and I can show you that in the ANC there were people working against me. So anything that you think I've done that is wrong is as a result of these people working against me. I think that is intended for him to continue having this fight back strategy that is based on him keeping a constituent in the ANC loyal to him, both to fight the commission but also to fight his legal battles that are still going on in the corruption. So he's keeping them mobilized by believing that there are forces. It's a strategy that is used since he started. I mean, 2005, he was already making these allegations, naming names in, in closed meetings, but when he goes to, pub, to the public, he will say, I will talk one day. So I think but for them, they But is he succeeding? I mean, is this successful? I mean, how is he looking um, on the stand? Is he looking like... Um, he has, you know, kind of how did this guy get to be the president or is he looking compelling? I don't think he's looking compelling at all. I don't think with the, with the general public that people are convinced of, of what he's saying. If you look at social media, people were, are taking him left, right and center. But Zuma's strategy has always been, even when you go back to, to the rape case, Zuma will say things there that were shocking to everyone, but they worked for the market that he targeted. But this time around, I don't think it will work in the long run because he has been president already. It's not like he's, going, he's on a campaign to become president. So it may have worked in 2005 to 2007 when he wanted to be ANC president. But it can't work now because he's been president. He's out of office. There's no chance of him coming back. Look, Anya, what is your take on, on what this means for the country, president, former President Zuma being on the standards on the... I mean, it's not good. Like, as... As Thomas was saying, especially what he was saying, I was, I mean, I was looking at the things he was saying regarding about the ANC and he said how much he loved the ANC. And I was thinking the contrast with Thabo Mbeki, for example. You know, after no, you know, no, no Mbeki left and quietly 
gone down his own foundation thing. And what's happened here, I mean, the ANC being brought to, to disrespectfully, if you want to talk about it. I mean, the, the divisions are all out there, and you, and you saw who was there giving speeches after Zuma was you know, also in the public street out, out here, and also like people who were supporting him within the commission itself. So that they're sort of, they're sort of like their factional battle is actually happening openly now. That's, and, that's and the question, yeah. isn't it? Is what is the fallout of this for the mm. party itself? The full, the things. I mean, there's a debate about the I mean, about the long-term future of the ANC. Really, if you think about it, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, it seems to be split right in the middle, and and there's also like bigger complications for the country as a whole. I mean, what does it mean for governance? You know, how do we? I mean, you know, there's we've got a lot of things to deal with, okay. but the ruling party or the governing party isn't really in a state of to govern because it's too busy fighting itself and tearing itself apart, and that's what I mean. The, the, the impact of the Zuma. The testimony is that 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 will be continuing to be more and more the case. I mean, I mean, if somebody who claims to love the party so much, then that can the T.J. Stadium. I mean, yeah. I mean, what impact does this? What does this mean for the country and the economy? So for me, it looks like a former CEO pitching up at the company's AGM and then addressing minority shareholders that can that have mm. no bearing on having him reinstated or whatsoever. The shareholders he's addressing are hurt. They've They've suffered massive losses over this time, and I think they probably just want to go on. So the, the funny thing about, about this commission is, uh, yes, it's, it's supposed to get to the truth, but it's also giving a lot of people a platform mm. to then bring out a different narrative, and, and, and that's weird. And again, looking at it uh, like you would from, from a company perspective, a former CEO would never get that platform. He would never be allowed at an AGM. He'd have to fight it. Uh, from another angle, and, and this is this is that's that, what it is. I think that's actually an interesting point you're bringing there about you know, changing the narrative. I was actually mm -hmm. like yesterday I was just driving and I was listening to 702 an interview with Esma Khashula, and then suddenly they're talking about expanding the the, the, the commission's mandate to discuss mm -hmm. apartheid corruption. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean, this is a, a specific commission right, that was set after like the public protectors' mm -hmm. like findings on on the safe factory. Actually, he was trying to bring back an issue that he lost. Towards the end of last year, because Isma Khashule had tried to say, if there's going to be a commission, it must investigate everything dating back to 1948 or even 1912. They were saying, so he was trying to bring that issue back to say, if we are going to look at the Guptas, let's look, let's look at all the companies that are there, which has always been their strategy. And that, in a way, Patrick, you wanted to come in here, is, is, is what, what Jacob Zuma has been doing. Uh, I did some stuff, but lots of other people did some yeah. stuff too. Mm. I mean, well, I think with Zuma, one's always asking the question, uh, is, he, is he the symptom or the cause? And, and I think uh, the Zuma testimony has cast quite an unflattering light mm. on uh, governance in the ANC. Mm. And of course, we're now being kind of led to believe that uh, under President Cyril Ramaphosa that there will be renewal and uh, we'll see a new ANC. But certainly the questions this morning, for example, uh, Zuma's denial about the role of deployment committee. And I was just going back and looking at Barbara Hogan's testimony, the, the, you know, the, the one-time public enterprises minister, in saying, well, we had the deployment committee and, and you know, uh, Jacob Zuma comes up with certain sort of rationale for the deployment committee. But I thought it was quite interesting how she pointed out that, that, that you know, it's just a couple of people on, on that deployment committee. Should that committee fall into the wrong hands or the wrong faction, mm. you know, that in turn can bring incalcul incalculable harm to 
uh, to the country and to um, and to governance, and yet it seems that this is sort of how the ANC has kind of gone about its its business, deploying uh, uh, cadres, uh, stroke friends into positions that they may not necessarily be suited for. So one hopes that the that the the sort of talk of renewal is is you know more than just talk. But I think what this uh, gathering here, the Zondo Commission has also allowed, is a, is a quite visible grouping of what seems to be the fight back forces. Stimbiso, are, um, are you seeing, is stuff coming out that, that you are surprised by? Not really. Maybe it's because I've followed Zuma for a long time and I expected most of the conspiracy theories that he was go, going to come up with. What I'm more interested in is what is done about this after, after the commission has completed its work. Mm -hmm. Because certain weaknesses are being exposed. This issue that Patrick is, 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 is raising about CADA uh, deployment and, 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 and the deployment committee of the ANC. There may have been logic in 1994 mm -hmm. when they were trying to transform the state. Mm -hmm. But there hasn't been any review so if, if the ANC is talking about renewal, it hasn't done much to review its own internal structures and to, in, to, to review its uh, interaction with government and the structures in government to see that they are not captured by anyone. And that is where I am a bit worried because I see that the conversation is really around Jacob Zuma and the few people that he was working with, but no one is looking at the structures that made all of this possible. Because yes, once you capture the president of the of the ANC, if the ANC is going to to win the elections, you've captured the entire state. Because from there, everything falls from his command. You ask, I mean, Simbiusa asks, when the commission finishes its work. Look, can you are you confident that this commission is going to finish its work any time in the foreseeable future? I mean, it does have a limited time frame, doesn't it, in which it has to finish? I'm not, do, are, are you aware? I'm not actually sure where that was. It was extended. It was extended. Yeah. I mean, it also depends what, what is this, it's work. Like, as we were saying earlier, like, people have tried to change the narrative and try to say that it should broaden this. this, this talk. But, but, but I mean, we shouldn't too much of a focus here. I mean, this all dates back from Tuli Matonsela's report, and it should really have a, a much narrower focus. Mm -hmm. And that shouldn't really be... I suppose even you could argue the whole, like, terms of reference, the whole concept of state capture is so wide. And in a, way, in a sense, like, Zuma can... Plausibly say, like, there's no such thing as state capture, because as he says, like, well, are you saying the judiciary was captured? Are you saying the media was captured? Because it is, it is quite a broad, when, when you use that term, like, in, like in, 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 almost in isolation, without actually looking at it as the specifics of what we're supposed to be looking at. Speaking mm. of fightback, we've also had one of the big fightback uh, battles that's going on is, is, is in relation to Praveen Gordon. Um, TJ, yeah, the president, uh, the current president, Cyril Ramaphosa, weighing in mm. on, on the fight back um, battle over Praveen Gordon. What is the significance of that and what is that whole battle well, telling us? Well, you'd, you'd have to expect that this, this means that the public protector's days must be counted or numbered. I mean, unless, unless there's, there's, a, there's another strategy, but I mean, the president and... and and uh, the higher echelons of government, they can't be kicking this thing down the road. I mean, they, they obviously have to find a way to make it very clear that the public protector is, is not suited for that role. And a court judgment would be an ideal uh, set of circumstances. And then, and then they can maybe get rid of her in, 
in some some way, in a in a very legal way. But at the moment, uh, yeah, if if she's if she's removed from from her from her post in any other way, it would look like a reprisal for uncomfortable truths that she's coming up with. But I mean, we've got we need we've to got just a minute, Stimby. So your comments, the public protector, in, in just one minute. <laughs> are think, her days numbered? Uh, well, I I doubt that her days are numbered. I think the the, 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 the court processes will probably tell us whether she's got a case to answer or not. But my issue is that in that parliament that is supposed to decide on the future, uh, I am not convinced that the president has control of, of parliament. Mm -hmm. I get a sense that the caucus is dominated by people who are part or sympathetic to the fight back campaign. Another departure at beleaguered Eskom. Uh, Lukanyo Mnyanda, the Financial Mail this week has a cover story pointing out the extraordinary number of CEOs, directors, chairmen, finance directors and so on that the, the company has had in, in the last many years. Now we've had the treasurer, Andre Pillay, leave. Um, and next week we have uh, promises of a, of a big bailout coming. Is there the political will to fix Eskom rather than just trying to find more money to throw at it? I mean, if, like, how many have we had? Like about four in the last four years for CEOs. And you no, know, like I, we don't even care when we're getting the next one, you know, because like, I saw the, in the minister number one is like a budget statement last week. The talk was all about the sort of chief reconfiguration officer. There was actually no mention of a CEO. So, so we still that don't, is like, which, is, which is an interesting one. We wonder that if this person's actually going to take the role of the CEO, and maybe we won't be getting a CEO. I mean, as you were saying, I mean, and now Ascom, there's no treasurer either. There's now there's no treasurer. And I think it was like this time last year or early, early last year, we were like Jabu Mabuza was talking about ESCOM being 30% overstaffed and nothing has happened well, since then. Well, they're leaving out. it a rapid rate. And no, <laughs> like on the top ones, yeah. And uh, as you said, boom, they're going to be front-loading a lot of that $230 billion that was like set to, to be over like a decade. I mean, there's, yeah, there's talk about throwing money at these things, but there's not really any talk about how, where the money that's actually even going to come from. And, like, you know, you think about the, the, there's even money for SAA, like Sunday, you know, like it wasn't that long ago the minister was saying, close this thing down, it's useless. And, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend a penny of my own money on it. Now, he's gonna, now we're going to get more money for SAA. Then you also wonder, like, what are the ratings companies thinking? Because it doesn't seem to be a strategy about how, I mean, you know this more than me in terms of the fiscal you know, the GDP ratios, and there's no, like, sense of, of, of any strategy of where, the, how we're ever going to get that, because we, we, it's already agreed now, 60% in 2024 is basically a pipe dream. But there's no sense of, like, okay, this is how we're going to fix it. Patrick, does it tell yeah. us something about our politics? Well, I mean, uh, perhaps what uh, Stimbiso mentioned before he left, you know, about a, a parliament that seems to lean towards a sort of fight back rather than the uh, clean-up. And perhaps there's a concern that uh, a new plan for ESCOM um, won't, get, won't get through Parliament quite as uh, easily. Because uh, as I understand, the, the, the big ESCOM kind of shake-up plan was announced, uh, you know, that the, the, the intention to do it was announced earlier this year. Uh, there was almost no mention of it in the uh, State of the Nation address. Um, now we're having a special appropriations bill, another bailout for ESCOM. And it seems that we're in Parliament at the stage of what, a, a green paper, which will precede a white paper, which will, in other words... Proceed action, in, maybe, in other words, sometimes? this, uh, you know, this restructuring of ESCOM that was meant to be so urgent, and that we're told that the ratings agencies 
will kind of uh, regard as a sort of litmus test for uh, our finances and our, and our national finances, that seems to be, you know, we seem to be going the bailout route. So it's another big bailout of ESCOM, it's a SAA. I suppose the question Danel. will be, is there conditionality to the bailout and can they enforce it? But, but TJ, <laughs> on the government governance front, mm. we have at mm. least had a little movement at, in fact, both the PIC and the Reserve Bank with new board appointments yes. and deputy governor appointments. Mm. The PRC board, um, is that a promising sign of some turnaround possibly well, there? Well, you need a board there. So yes, so that's possibly, a, it's a good thing that there is a board. Um, and I mean, there, there are some good names on there. So I, I mean, for me, the question is, is more what's happening in the executive and the PRC. And that's the, that's, I mean, that's where the real decisions are being made. The day-to-day, -day, we invest in this, we sign this deal with a former union leader to help him invest in Steinhoff. That's, I mean, that's what Business Day ran this week. And, and, and it is shocking because this means 12 billion rand of pensioners' money or public, you know, public pensioners' money, that, that's, that's gone because of a that's, bad investment that's, decision. That's, and, and, yeah. that, and what is, that's the other commission that's, that, that's occupying yes, the, yes, our yeah. attention mm. and our television sets. And, mm. and what is the bottom line so far out of the PRC commission in terms of the kind of revelations and what they tell For us? me, it hasn't been clear. So, I mean, I, well, I, there, 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 there's, there's something new every now and then, but, but it also doesn't seem to be coming closer to a... So it's sort of a, 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 I mean, a clear message. Yeah. I suppose mm -hmm. the one shocking part there is like another PIC, as we know, is like it's, it's the biggest asset manager in Africa. It's got about, mm -hmm. what, two trillion, 1.8 trillion that comes from the government pensions fund. And it seems like the, 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 the biggest clients seem to have not really exercised much oversight over it. <laughs> you know, all the, Being all the, the government employees' pension the, the, the fund. pension fund, yeah. I mean, it is, I mean all these deals, questionable deals that are, that are coming up, you think, I mean, but they basically had one client, and and you like yeah. giving this organization this much money. And, and how and, and much money did they lose, TJ on Steinhoff? Well, on Steinhoff, it's it's twelve billion. twelve billion in this in this on, deal. On, and on this just is the Lancaster but, but but the PSC is a is a the second largest shell in Steinhoff. So Steinhoff fell from two hundred thirty billion to you know it's five billion now uh, in terms of market cap. So uh, it's it's tens, uh, if not twenties, of billions of rands. So. No, they've lost a lot. And I think the problem for the PIC is, I mean, they have to keep buying because there's so much pension money coming in every single month. We've got a bloated uh, public sector. So all of their contributions come in every month. So the PIC needs to keep buying. And I mean, if you take Naspers and maybe Capitec out of the PIC's portfolio and what they've bought over the last 10 or 15 years, I, maybe, maybe if you make it short and you just take it over the last five years, I think you'll find a very shocking result. And that's just the in list of companies. In terms of the performance of the Absolutely. Assets. So every single company on the JSE has had the thing in its head that it, it needs to diversify out of South Africa. Yeah. And they've mostly bought lemons in other markets. And those things have come back to haunt the share price. And that means that the, I mean, the PSC probably hasn't realized those losses, but there's definitely a bit of a, a you know, a loss in value there. So, and the PIC has to keep buying. So it, it sort of, it can't really sell down its stake in anything ever. It just keeps on buying. So you're saying that the, the asset manager that is managing the, the pension funds of civil servants is underperforming? 
Yes, absolutely. Excluding one or two. The, the thing is, we can't we can't really see yeah. it, but every because if you look on the on the shareholders register, the largest shareholder in most companies is either the PIC or it's number two. Yeah. So, and that's most of them listed on the JSC. So you don't know what what needs to change. Maybe maybe the mandate needs to change. The regulation twenty eight PIC can invest more abroad, just so that it. It's not so exposed to South Africa. Look, Kanyo, we have the Monetary Policy Committee meeting as we speak. Mm. Um, we haven't yet had a decision, but there seems to be a broad, a fairly broad consensus that they will mm. cut. And my question to you is, how much difference can a cut make to economic activity? Mm. I will start by saying how refreshing it is that we're just talking about the Reserve Bank and we're talking about interest rates policy rather than politics and... <laughs> And ownership and nationalization and all of that. So that that's actually quite nice. We have a very really boring technical, we can talk technical about discussion. Yes, mm -hmm. like which, been, which I haven't had for a while. Obviously, if you go back to November, the, I mean, the bank you know, did high grades at the time, which got a lot of slack for that, for that because people thought that even it said itself that the, 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 the outlook was turning for better in terms of like the inflation outlook and worse for growth. So there's a lot of talk out there that, that they made a mistake on that move. So maybe a 25 basis point cut tomorrow will only just be like slightly reversing that. And so there might be some people might be arguing that maybe then that would sort of be almost be pointless. Maybe they should try and do a bit more because now you're talking that the world has changed since then. I think there's a talk that even the Fed might hike, might cut by even much as 50 basis points mm -hmm. like on, in two now weeks' Now it's time. not, I, I suppose one of the worries would be exactly mm -hmm. that it might be seen as tying to politics. So, mm -hmm. so is there a strong case on the economic fundamentals? to cut this time. I've certainly been yeah. watching the RAND, which is getting stronger and stronger. Is, is, is the case for a cut purely economic? Not, there's no suggestion of political pressure having I mean, bearing? I think so. I think like when you look at the global picture, you look at like when central banks everywhere are, are, are sort of quite dovish. I mean, they're, 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 I mean, the ECB is talking about resuming quantity, quantity easing or quantitative easing. And then obviously the Fed might, might cut later in the month. I suppose it might be a debate about how big should they go. So I suppose if they did go bigger than, say, 25 basis points, that I would be quite well, gonna see. Well, we're yeah. going to see very soon. And, <laughs> yeah. and TJ, yeah. for corporate South Africa, does, does it cut? So 25 basis points, I mean, I, I don't know if it really moves the needle. But um, it was when our current finance minister was the Reserve Bank governor, I don't know if you remember, I think you, we covered it at the same time. Um, in the financial crisis, the, the, the hikes were multiples of uh, 100 basis points and they uh, they made the meetings more frequent so they met every month just to hike further and i think it was it was a cumulative 400 basis points in a very short time i mean that definitely changes you know it changes the outlook for for corporates but and for consumers or 50 basis but 25 points isn't going to lift the economy out of stagnation i think it's yeah. it's more just it's more it's more of a like a very signal. soft signal um, but I mean, if, if there's a 200, point, 200 basis point I cut can't tomorrow, imagine, imagine, basis imagine that. Limits. It's possible. It's just it's not likely. likely. Mm -hmm. Patrick Bulger, um, the late, great Johnny Clegg has died, the voice of my youth and yours, and I'm sure actually everybody's mm -hmm. youth in many ways. Um, this, was, was this, this was really a man who put South African music on the world stage. Yeah, yeah he put South African music. He became uh, Le Zulu Blanc. The, the, the white Zulu in France and in other countries, particularly popular in, um, in Europe. Um, and I think he, you know, he did more than put our music on the stage. He, 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 he brought, you know, much in the same way that Elvis Presley 
kind of awakened Americans to the to the uh, to the richness of music on their own doorstep, which they'd been ignoring. I, I think Clegg did much the same. Uh, so on a musical level, he kind of awoke sort of white South Africa to a, a type of music that you know we didn't know about. But I think on a practical level as well. I mean, he was one of the sort of um, you know, one of the standard bearers of, of, of what would be a new type of South African. Uh, he might look white, he might sound this way, but he'd be more sort of uh, uh, culturally enriched by the sort of fullness of diversity that we have in the country. And I think he, he was a living example of, of the, the sort of cultural possibilities in South Africa. And uh, as such, uh, I think his, uh, you know, his contribution um, will be remembered for... Immeasurable, yeah, really. Yeah, absolutely. what are your memories? Uh, they've got very... Like, I was actually just thinking, as Patrick was speaking, the first time I actually saw Johnny Clegg live, was actually when I was a student at Rhodes in Grahamstown. And me and my friend, Matthew Buckland, also actually passed away this year. We actually interviewed him for our student newspaper. And then the last time I saw him was in London, just a couple of years ago when he was doing his farewell tour. So it's been, I mean, I've seen other people's responses. I mean, I think that the whole, the idea, the, 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 the description of him as like the soundtrack of my youth has been quite a consistent. And it's, quite, and it's true for most people, it's, it's definitely true for me. I mean, I, I still remember like, I think it was, I can't remember, it was 1989 or 1990, the first time I ever heard Nelson Mandela's name on the SABC. The first time? Yeah, it was yeah, actually yeah. like, I think it was Alex J playing uh, in Bonanga for the first time. And, and it, yeah, I mean, that was quite a moment. It wasn't unexpected, you know. <laughs> I saw, uh, saw him at Okupi a few years ago. I saw, sorry. Yeah. I did see him at Okupi a few years ago. <laughs> and, uh, I, mean, he was, I mean, he, he, he carried he, on for yeah. a remarkably he, long time, especially given how ill he point. was. So yeah. he's, he's not of a certain mm. generation. He, it's not the music of your youth. Mm. It's the music of every youth in South Africa, basically. Mm. So, I mean, Okupi's crowd is not that old, even though I was there. <laughs> The late great and the soundtrack of everyone's youth and indeed of, 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 of the South Africa on the global stage, a tribute to the late Johnny Clegg. Mm -hmm.